Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York, and we've got a show coming up. If you're listening to this episode, when it drops, you're going to hear about all the details at the end, but it's going to be fun. If you don't have plans on Halloween, you should come to it. We'll get into more later. I'm very happy about it. I don't care how early it is. It's a great day. It's a great fucking day because I fucking said so. And because Chelsea's here. Hello, Chelsea. Hello. The sun is shining. The spooky air is among us. We have plans for Halloween for once. Um, <laughs> after after year, years, well, it's been a couple of years for me, but. The year was 1874 yes. <laughs> when last I gazed upon a pumpkin. When last I took candy from strangers in their neighborhood and said, trick or treat. Oh, what a time. Innocence, innocence prevailed. We, we have been engaged because you're, you're part of the bubble. With, and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only because you know you're a dear friend, you're fucking fun. And <laughs> so we've been engaging in some some spooky, safe adventures Absolutely. in and around uh, our area and, and, and watching movies uh, in a garage. Because uh, <laughs> fuck it. Um, but yes, yeah, it, it, it's a good time. It is. It's a good time. Best time of the year. I now, thought I think most wonderful time of the year was actually written for Halloween, but the studio man, the studio, they changed it. I've I've actually done my research yes. on 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 what you're alluding to. Uh, because I feel it's very important to know your enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know why Christmas music is a thing. Uh, the short answer is money. Yes. Um around world war ii the first christmas recorded christmas hit was i'll be home for christmas so everybody bought that wax cylinder 78 record when it came out and then the record companies of the time went oh because these people are missing their children that are off fighting the hun again Um, they're buying this record around Christmas. So let's just keep doing that for the rest of time, no matter how bad the song is. So that's why. I never thought about how the I'll Be Home for Christmas song, which I mean, yeah, very, very popular song. I never tied it to like Mm -hmm. a war happening. Right. Interesting. Because you probably heard uh, artists much later uh, yeah. doing this. And uh, and a lot of them were before like uh, copyrights. So then later right. when copyrights came into play, the writers loved it because they could always get a big check after it gets played a lot, whoever owned the publishing. The artists loved doing them because that means, oh, there's increased sales at the end of the year if I put out a Christmas album, mm. regardless of whether I celebrate Christmas or not. So yeah. it's just it's just money for mostly bad music. I just thought that that song was about a dude who just did not know time management and was running late. <laughs> well, when, 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 when you're fighting the Hun, um, you will lose track of time. It is inevitable. 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's a good point. It's yeah. um, I must say it's it's seven forty nine a.m. when we're recording this, and your girlfriend is already sending theories about Halloween kills <laughs> in the group text. And and that that's good a time. good segue into our topic. Oh yeah, it is. I was like, I want to get Rick off the topic of Christmas music before his statement of it being a wonderful day <laughs> quickly goes away. But yes, Halloween that, kills. That's another episode. We all know how much I hate Christmas, but we'll save that for another time. Halloween kills. Chelsea and I went to see it. Uh, we are fully vaccinated. We went to the uh, heavily protocoled Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn uh, because we love them and they're keeping us safe. So we're happy to give them our money because it was a great place before the pandemic and it's a great place now. So Absolutely. Chelsea got some chips and queso and was the happiest girl in aisle six. So happy. Oh my goodness. It was, it was such a great time. Oh my God. Seeing a Halloween movie in theaters again. After being delayed a year. And, and, and we're going to get into that uh, of what happened. Now, now, the movie starts with a flashback to 1978. For those that saw the 2018 um, you know, so that you got some questions like, you know, what happened between 78 and 2018? Because if Halloween 2 doesn't count anymore, how did that go down? And I got to admit, them Roughhouse production boys, they went all out. They got permission from the state to exhume Donald Pleasance. Uh, the fun people at KNB FX uh, put a lot of rubber uh, around him to recreate that visage of Dr. Loomis at the time in accordance to the agreement between the production and the estate, bringing Donald Pleasance back to the screen quite literally in a weekend at Bernie's type situation. This is why practical effects are always gonna beat CGI. Sometimes you just have to go the extra mile and that means mm -hmm. digging up a guy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it works, it's mm -hmm. authentic. Especially because they got the Yen Wo Peng fighting team to do their wire work. So it harkened back to the uh, primitive days of marionette work, um, mm -hmm. along with the Kung Fu aspects that I like. Because that fight between uh, Loomis and Michael, I didn't know that, you know, Dr. Loomis had such sweet Kung Fu moves. It's, it's really interesting to see the Kung Fu moves. First of all, you referenced Weekend at Bernie's, which... It was a little on the nose because they did have Loomis wearing sunglasses. And I was mm -hmm. like, it's nighttime. This isn't this isn't working, but I, I'll, I don't I'll think it. I don't think Robert Kirkman could get the eyes right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, maybe Greg Nicotero was working on Creep Show or Walking Dead that day. So he, he it's like uh, put sunglasses on him. Yeah. We can't be talented at everything, right? You know, there's always got to be one part. It's just like, you know, when artists draw, there's always like a body part that they're not very good at drawing. So it's, you know, similar to that. But it was great to see the Kung Fu moves in such a marionette style. Um, that was, yeah, that was just a little, a little too on the nose with the weekend at Bernie's. Um, but it worked. It seemed to trip Michael up because he didn't know where the hands were going next. You're like, here's your mild-mannered, uh, passionate, but mostly wheezy uh, psychiatrist, and suddenly, bam, tiger style. 
never saw it coming. Never stood a fucking chance. Boom, he's in the institution for 40 years. Back to present day. Lori's bleeding. She's with her daughter, Karen, who's still wearing a Christmas sweater. Uh, let me don't let me go off on that tangent again. <laughs> and granddaughter Allison, Michael's in the basement. He has to escape from the fire. Uh, and for all of his faults for being a, a silent, uh, stabby person, just stop, drop, and roll. Exactly. You can tell that all of those years in the mental institution, they at the very least taught these crazy, psychotic murderous violent inmates fire safety and i appreciate that because it's important no matter who you are if you're a violent killer if you're just a kid if you're a victim soon to be <laughs> you need to know fire safety and it's stop drop and roll absolutely absolutely so let's jump around a little bit to some of our supporting players uh anthony michael hall was cast as tommy doyle uh paul rudd Whatever happened to that guy? He played him in Halloween 6, never heard from again. So I don't, you know, I don't know who you're talking about. Damn shit. No, he, he was a kid. He had a lot, a lot of potential back in the day. Uh, Halloween 6, in my opinion, is the worst in the franchise. But he, he seemed good. He seemed good. So Anthony Michael Hall is here. He's doing that drunken voice uh, from the club scene in Weird Science throughout. So he's like, my nuts is halfway up my ass. But other than that, I'm perfect. It, it was it was very telling, uh, you know, to be a young boy reading Laser Man on Halloween and scared of the boogeyman, and now uh, rocking the mic, uh, singing blues at a karaoke bar. Yeah, I appreciated that they turned uh, Tommy Doyle into. Well, they kept him as a nerd. He was a little little nerd in the first one, just carrying a pumpkin around, all weird, and then you know, has kids bullying him. And he continues to be just this big lumberjack nerd who, you know, has that weird voice that I can't even do. And mm -hmm. then also just the glasses, the tape in between, you know, right. like it's broken. Mm -hmm. um, which are they, when did he start wearing glasses? Uh, yeah, very much nerd energy that I appreciate because we don't get that as much anymore. The big like hunkin' nerd that's like six foot something, but seemed to never grow out of his four foot five body. Mm -hmm. Carrying around Molly Ringwald's panties and looking at Michael Myers like, he's an asshole. There's an Easter Anybody egg. With, look at that haircut. Anybody with a haircut like that, you know he's an asshole. I know, he just got a little too cocky. I don't like my nerds that cocky. No one does. No yeah. one does. But what you do like, and which was completely lost on me, is that the gal who played Lindsay became a real housewife of fucking Beverly Hills. Thank you. Uh, I would not have known that. You and beautiful lady commiserated over that um, and didn't tell me in advance. But it made sense that when during like one of her big scenes, she called Michael Myers a cunt like 17 times. So, so give me some background on that. She, she went Real Housewives of New Jersey in this one, which I, and I really appreciate because Kyle Richards is extending her acting chops and she's been on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for so long. I read that Kyle Richards just kept picturing um, Michael Myers as her older sister, Kathy Hilton, and remembering how much 
she hates her older sister, Kathy Hilton, and how Kathy Hilton will always have more money than her, more fame than her, everything that Kyle does not have, Kathy does. So that's what really brought that anger in that scene where she hits Michael with bricks in the face. If you can tell, you got to watch it again and you have to, you have to zoom in because the subtitles don't catch it. Nothing catches it. But when she hits him um, with the bricks, she says, I hate you, Kathy Hilton. And I hate your, your daughter, Paris, but they like dubbed it out. But mm. you have to watch careful. It's really an Easter egg for those um, Real Housewives fans. That are also lip readers? That are, yes. Well, you know, I, I'm obsessed with Kyle Richards and Real Housewives. So all of her scenes I've been watching over and over to decipher what exactly was Real Housewives energy. And one thing that was, again, a little too on the nose, and your girlfriend may call this out too, is the whole scene where she just kept telling Michael, you have to be honest. You have to be honest. I'm just trying to be your friend, Michael. You just need to be honest about everything. See, this this, this makes sense because even with the retroactive continuity, you're telling me that this housewife hates her sister. Um, it makes sense if you go with the original storyline that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. And, you know, he just wants to stab his sister. And I get it. I don't like my sister either. Not to the point where I would commit a crime against her and talk about it on microphone. Not at all. I would not do that at all. I do not wish my sister harm. She's a drunk. She may fall on something pointy herself. But, you know, like, I, I, now it makes sense. Be honest with yourself. Even though they undid the sister move, you can still stab your sister. That kind exactly. Of thing. So you can almost blame Lindsay for Michael continuing to kill because she just kept telling Michael, be honest, be honest. Mm -hmm. And honestly, he wants to kill people. Wow. So yeah, Kyle Richards had such rage that I appreciated and I hope she brings it in the next season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, Cause yeah, she is a great actress. Now, uh, do you think that this may put some of the other cast members in danger? this experience if she takes it too close to heart and could uh uh stalk uh some of the i don't know who else is on the fucking show uh some but some of them around the set and the crew as well would the crew be in danger a la uh, halloween resurrection where it was a reality show in the myers house and buster rhymes did kung fu inexplicably not as good as dr loomis but you get it well, see, that's the problem. Buster Rhymes is a producer of Real Housewives. So then there's mm. another connection. But yeah, I I think Kyle Richards is big in method acting. Mm. Um, and so I am worried that some of the women on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Andy Cohen himself might be in danger. They might need to really watch themselves around her because you give the girl a nose ring and bangs and she becomes an entirely different person. Mm. I'd like to talk a little bit about Big John and Little John because I was not uh, aware of the proximity to of Haddonfield to Sherwood Forest, but you get Little John uh, as part of Robin Hood's Merry Men, and boy, were these dudes merry. Big John and Little John had some very explicit, but very, very sensual and arousing man-on-man -man love scenes. 
they were super married, like the Mm -hmm. most married of married. I loved Big John and Little John, and I loved that they were such big weirdos that they would buy Michael's house Mm -hmm. and make it their own little, you know, love dungeon. It was really cute. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I think Michael should have been for it. He should have been like, hey, they're twisted, but in a different way. And I respect it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing quite like from what i've heard not from personal experience uh halloween love dungeon uh where everybody is lubed up uh things are going into places uh and then you know feel like you're feeling a little little a little uh like uh, exhausted maybe a little famished uh a little bit of baby snickers uh right nearby within charcuterie reach. board yeah, yeah. A, a, a what a what a charcuterie board that's with the meat and the cheese, right? Yes. All right, cool, yeah. But I, I think we need some more uh, explicit uh, uh, same-sex love scenes in our horror uh, to give equal time and inclusivity for the audience. There's been such a lack of representation in the, in the Halloween films that I think you're right. It's time to really give equal screen time, equal murder time to everyone. And I think that's where Halloween Kills shined because I I read this, I don't know how correct it is, but there were two different alternate titles um, for Halloween Kills. There was one where they were gonna focus more on the late seventies when they thought they were gonna do more flashbacks. And that one was Halloween Kills, parentheses, the day Disco died. Mm. And then the other one, which was really going into the inclusivity, but a little too on the nose, was Halloween Kills Everyone. Mm. Beautiful titles. Yes, very gorgeous. But I trust those uh, Rough House Boys from Mm -hmm. their other works, uh, their other productions. um, And and we'll we'll get into that but before we do uh those that may remember the 2018 version how uh michael got two fingers uh blown off of his left hand uh which means that you know with that hand he can now only signal the german three like this so um when he went to that bar and ordered a drink you were very upset or at least shocked uh when michael started speaking in deutsch well, I was just like, okay, I know there's been enough time passed since Inglorious Bastards came out, but it just felt like not even an homage to it, but almost a ripoff. And I was like, where are we? What's going on? And when we, we haven't heard Michael talk for 40 years. We have not heard him speak. And suddenly I'm like, no wonder he's mad. Nobody speaks the same language as him. And so it brought up, it, it was again, too on the nose, too, too much of a copy. But at the same time, it really did make that anger make sense that he just wasn't understood. And I get it. It was, it was very uh, amusing for that it, very long scene in German. Uh, which started with oh my Michael God, saying, it's 17 minutes. Yeah, started saying, keine offer in meine Unterhose, schlumpe. And it's like, wow, the, the, the pronunciation is great. We're getting some more depth into this character. It's very, very amusing. I mean, um, 
it, and they didn't even give us subtitles, which I guess they wanted us to feel the frustration mm -hmm. of not being able to understand him. He could have talked about anything. Well, you know, that, that, that's, that, them, that's them roughhouse boys. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, there we are bringing it to the climax of the movie. Uh, Michael is confronting Laurie yet again. And while Laurie Strode is a very capable woman, uh, regardless of her age, uh, having surgery on your midsection will put a damper on things. You may need to be rescued by the most handsome boy in all of Haddonfield, Illinois. Big John. No? No. 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 I know you love Big John. I do love Big John. Ben fucking Tramer. I played know. By Rough House Productions' own Danny McBride. Boom, he comes in with an Uzi. Iconic. Just spraying the place and gesturing at his crotch. Boom, taking Michael out. I loved it. I mean, Ben, ben Tramer has been a mystery for 40 years. And we retconned that, you know, part where he dies in Halloween 2. And so it was, it was, was really sad. Rick was sad. I know that boy. his his ending in Halloween or his what you hear happened to him or however it was it was very sad a series of unfortunate events um but I loved that we we were all waiting to see who Danny McBride would play because we knew he was gonna have to show his face one way or another and this was just so iconic and him and Jamie Lee Curtis have the most palpable on-screen chemistry Mm -hmm. It's like, God, no wonder you had the hots for him 40 years ago and still do. For, for, for those that thought the big John Littleton love scene was hot. Mm. Mm -mm. No abdomen injury stopped that. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, the, that's the power of uh, sexy Ben Tramer, especially, you know, when he uddles the immortal words, uh, you're fucking out, I'm fucking in. <laughs> I know it did lay on a little thick with the comedy, but it still worked. It was very smooth. I mean, everything mm -hmm. Danny McBride says has some some smooth velvet quality to it that you just can't help but fall for him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That that's that's why Channing Tatum loved him in This Is the End mm -hmm. and became his uh, weird cannibalistic bitch. I'd do it. So. As, as it wraps up there now, we just, we just got uh, all I know about Halloween ends is there's a time jump. Uh, I'm hoping for more explicit love scenes. What, what do you hope to see uh, in the next installment? You know, if we're going to do a time jump and if we're going to stick with this whole, we're the monsters, humans are the monsters, then we might as well lay another really cheesy trope into it and add AI, add some mm -hmm. robots. And then it's like, are AI the monsters or are humans still the monsters? I think we can have a futuristic appeal here. I like it, I like it. That works for me. Right, um, I mean, lay on all the tropes, just do it. Every humanity sucks trope, add it in. Can the lead human be played by, or should the he lead human be played by Walton Goggins? Because he, um, he is one of the roughhouse players. Yes. And he better not die. I will get very upset. But yes, I think he should be in it. I think he should have a connection to Big John and Little John 
-hmm. maybe he's medium john ah. and yeah yeah and he avenges their death oh my god i should be a writer medium john you should be. medium john running through the house with a pickle in his mouth yes and scene <laughs> <laughs> So as our listeners know, we do improvise reviews because we miss improv and none of that shit actually happened. So now we're actually going to talk about the movie. Uh, if you haven't watched it, there will be spoilers. Uh, Super spoilery. Go, go to Paramount. Uh, no, Peacock. No, Peacock. Fuck Paramount. How go dare you? <laughs> watch that shit. It's there. You can watch it in the theater. You can watch it in the house. You can watch it over and over and over again and have a great time with that. Uh, I don't get paid by that. But yeah, um, I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. Uh, not as much comedy as the previous installment, but the gore more than made up for it, in my opinion. What are, you, what, what are your initial thoughts? Um, I agree. I enjoyed it. It's one, and this is giving, um, this means the movie is good, not that it's bad, but I just feel very... I was talking to Rick and, and his girlfriend about this yesterday. Uh, and even right after we saw the movie, there were just scenes I really want to pick apart. And that's what I've been doing over the weekend with it being on Peacock. Um, and I want to watch it again in its entirety. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did not like it more than the 2018 Halloween, but it definitely felt like the middle of a trilogy. Yeah. So um, the story was a little clunky because of that because of it being the second um in there and sometimes that happens in trilogies sometimes it doesn't um i really enjoyed uh the fact that we find out it was never about Lori. like that's a really great moment of like you know really getting rid of that um that canon uh where they're siblings so i thought it was interesting that it was like no this was never about you like the doctor brought him to you. And um, so I liked that a lot. Um, I thought all three, you know, lead women were great. Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in the movie terribly much, but I figured it was a realistic setup for her to be healed properly in the third one, even though that will be a time jump. Um, the parts that I did not like about it and I was watching, so, I did not tell you this, Rick, before we recorded, but since I got up so early in the morning, I rewatched it this morning. The whole shebang? The whole thing, yeah. Nice. So that's why I was like, I want to watch it in its entirety again. So I was like, I might as well do it again now. Um, and I still don't like this, and I think mm. I'm never going to, because my problem with some horror movies, and you guys have heard me say this before, when social commentary is just too in your face to the point where you're almost dumbing down your audience and the whole mob mentality. Um, like I get it. It's a small town. People are dying left and right. Like bodies are filling in the hospital. I don't think it's unbelievable that these, um, that these citizens or residents of Haddonfield would be angry and like take over the police. That's not the part I have a problem with. I just didn't like the whole, um, there was another uh, inmate or uh, patient who escaped um, 
who looked nothing like Michael, not a similar height, not a similar body shape. And that was the thing that annoyed me a lot. I was like, if they're going to mistake this guy for Michael, do not have someone like this. No offense to that actor and may he rest in peace. I read that he died earlier this year, which is very unfortunate Mm. Um, because he did a great job. I mean, his suicide scene was heartbreaking. So it's nothing against him. I'm just like, I find it very hard to believe that Tommy and other people who have seen Michael, I know they tried to do this whole, he always wore a mask. How do we know what he looked like? His face was on the fucking TV. Like (laughs) it's been 40 years. His face is not, it's a mystery to us as the viewers, but it's not a mystery to them. It shouldn't be. So that I was like, this is stupid. And then with Sheriff Brackett going, the monsters are us or whatever he said. I was like, oh my God, this is just like, I don't like this trope. I think it could have been done much better. Maybe it was, the editing felt clunky sometimes. So maybe there's some stuff on the cutting room floor that made it make more sense. And, but again, I I don't hate the mob mentality entirely because I loved the ending when Mm -hmm. um, they all came after him. Um, I thought that was great. I just thought it lost its way to the point where even this morning when I was watching, I was like keeping my phone away, had the lights off and I was watching it in the living room. Those parts in the hospital were the parts where I wanted to just grab my phone. Cause I was like, this is so annoying. Um, And I'll I'll get off my soapbox in a minute, Rick and I'll let you talk about it. Um, But I do wanna say my unpopular opinion cause I'm seeing a lot of people on Reddit and online disagree with it. I genuinely loved Big John and Little John. I loved that this spooky gay couple moved into Michael's house and the way they had it decorated was so amazing. I love both of those actors so much, Michael McDonald and Scott MacArthur. So I was very happy to see both of them. Um, It was, I thought they were fun and their deaths were pretty gnarly. Well, Big John's death was pretty gnarly. Um, And I loved the Michael, you've come home quote. and then the last thing I'll say is, you know, no, I'll wait until the end to say this because I don't want to jump to the ending. Rick, you go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, my main concern going in is if Julian, played by Jabrail Natambu, I hope I pronounced that correctly, was going to be in it. And he was in like a little news clip because going into it, you heard me say, if he's not in the movie, I'm burning a theater to the ground. Not the Alamo Draft House. I would find an inferior theater and burn that to the ground as part of my rioting. But he was in it, crisis averted, uh, would have loved more because that, that kid was fucking phenomenal in the previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved all the Easter eggs from the mass uh, from Halloween 3 in the scene to uh, little callbacks like you know we're all entitled to one good scare michael you've come home somebody getting stabbed by a pitchfork the gore of the kills i so good gross as they are uh the mob mentality moments um i i get it and it resonates differently with the movie being uh delayed a year totally pandemic um there i I'm not frequently optimistic, but I think it's probable, not necessarily possible, but probable 
that if this movie had come out when scheduled and held the mirror up to us as a society, maybe some mob incidents, uh, particularly around January of 2021, may not have taken place. Maybe that that's stretching it too far uh, in my imagination, uh, considering the people that took part in that and were mm-hmm. dumb enough to live stream it. Uh, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I can see how these small-minded, privileged people could mistake someone as their, their, their enemy, their nemesis, their threat that looks nothing like the person that they're looking for. Because if you look at Tommy, a uh, privileged white man who can yell at the cops, no, we're going to do this, and assault them with no fucking consequence whatsoever. Truly. Especially when, like, oh, my God, I love that sheriff so much. Uh, Omar Dorsey is a Ugh, great so fucking good. talent. If I, if I was going to cry during the movie, it was when he was staring at his squashed hat. It was, it was a nice hat. That these white folks stepped on justice for that hat yeah no i i totally like my brain kept trying to you know make sense of it like oh they're all angry and grieving and enraged you know and maybe scared. yeah and scared and rightfully so like i find the mob believable i just found some of the quotes like that they were all saying and the way they were acting like I was just like this is a little too on the nose for me Mm -hmm. but I get it I just wish they had like you could have had somebody at least like taller or something like it was just someone who yes he's worn a mask you don't know what he looks like but the when I watched it again I was like I really want to see like is there a hint of Michael in this guy and there's really not but again I I, I know there's that anger I think that's the purpose of like you're going uh, after someone that it can't possibly be that yeah. that you're swept up in that mind. It just didn't work Which for me. I, I I get it. Now I was looking at it uh, that first time, uh, which is the only time I've seen the movie in its entirety, uh, from a, through the horror lens, and it being very Frankenstein-ish of that mob just swept up. Oh yeah. Uh, in that and also prior to that i love the the frankenstein rule uh which makes sense since universal is uh, one of the it's coming out of their production house uh but in all the frankenstein sequels back in the day their rule was wherever the monster was left last time that's where you have to start with the monster so same thing it's not like oh suddenly uh michael's out uh, no, he, he was left in the basement of Lori's burning house. Mm-hmm. That's where you have to pick up from. That's where you have to get the firefighters. In. So those, uh, it, it now makes Michael a universal monster, in my opinion, uh, which is great. He's, he's got the, the chops for it. And it and ties it in well. So but also with the Easter eggs and some callbacks uh, like the the doctor and nurse couple, uh, the husband forgetting his stethoscope again in the previous film, you see mm-hmm. a couple dresses doctor and a nurse like, oh, I left my fucking stethoscope. And it's, and, and it's like, it's little things like that, even though there wasn't as much comedy for the eagle-eyed among us. It's, it's, it's kind of satisfying. <laughs> There was one thing I also read um, 
that I thought was a great callback, uh, and I'm and it must have been intentional, is in the first in the 1978 Halloween when the um, store is broken into. The sheriff says, you know, nothing, it's not a big deal. It was a mask, a rope, and a couple of knives. And he uses a rope in the flashback. Mm. Um, and he didn't use a rope in the 78 movie. So uh, I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cute. I love that. Um, so yeah, there were some there were some great callbacks. I I mean, I still enjoyed the movie. I think. I, I have so many questions that I'm hoping the third one answers because I think we can all safely say now that Michael is truly not human. There's just no way. And it's laughable if they try to make it that way. Um, but there is something, you know, yeah, something sinister in the whole, you know, the more he kills, the more he transcends. I'm wondering where exactly that's going to go. Um as but long I, as it's yeah. not the cult of thorn i'm happy exactly yeah and i'm hoping that it really is just it's pure evil manifested because even that's supernatural enough for me like just don't say you know he's he's still human because my dude got so beat up and he still continues to take down big ass adults in crowds <laughs> and so it, it's just the the scene that got me and it's terrifying is when Karen gets his mask. Mm -hmm. And I, I read some other interesting stuff about how like the mask really is almost his strength and also his kryptonite when it's taken off. Um, because that's how Lindsay got away from him for a moment when he was choking her. She messed up his mask on his head and that's how she got away. And then... I mean, that's what happened in the first one too, when, when Jamie took, or when Lori took her or took his mask off and then just seeing him like rage walk <laughs> towards Karen, who's running, that was, and he wasn't wearing his mask. That was terrifying. Mm -hmm. That was really great. Because remember for guys like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, uh, even old Frankenstein's monster. No matter how fast you run, they walk faster. <laughs> that is very true. They will always catch up. And it's rude to take someone's mask off, Karen. <laughs> it's very rude. <laughs> but yeah, I think, so the one thing other than the mob mentality that I really can't get over, and we'll see how it's handled in the third one, is it's pretty obvious that you want to raise the stakes and one of the three main women has to die in one way or another um karen is sees her unfortunate end at, um in the final beats of the movie um i thought it was so convoluted how they got her to that room uh to michael's sister's room and looking out the window and then there's michael it it just felt very strange to me those character choices you're not her supervisor <laughs> i'm not her supervisor but the character choices just it just didn't make complete sense to me and i thought it was kind of a cheapish way to kill kill her off because i know they were reflecting it. it it looked like when michael killed his sister in the first one the pov and everything so i appreciate what they were going for i just would have liked to see someone like Karen who was such a like that gotcha moment in the first in the 2018 one I would have loved to see her 
if she was going to die, die when saving her daughter, when taking mm. the mask or something like that. I just felt cheated in a way. And I, and it still doesn't work for me. That ending just doesn't work for me, but I still like, uh, it doesn't spoil the rest of the movie for me. Cause I want to see how it's handled in the third one. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Uh, Karen was wearing Christmas sweaters in October. <laughs> she clearly makes poor decisions. Um, I, I, while I don't expect anyone to go by my personal Rickian calendar, uh, <laughs> so this, I'm going to get a little bit intolerant here, and this is why uh, we need to build a wall, uh, and that wall has to be built to keep Christmas from seeping into October, because that's what they wanted to do. We need us goth and spooky folk at the line holding it back. Yep. Otherwise, uh, it's 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 going to get there. Now, the Rickian calendar has three holidays. I'm, I'm holding up the jam in three. Three <laughs> holidays, because that's all you need. November 1st starts Mardi Gras season. That's it. Uh, you know, how different is that from the rest of the time? I'm listening to New Orleans jazz anyway. It doesn't matter, but it's all good. Uh, day after Mardi Gras, we start Juneteenth season. There we go. And then uh, June 20th, that starts Halloween. While I don't believe in spooky season, I think you need to do all of those things for all of those three holidays year round. And everything else is an excuse to sell you a couch. I'm going for quality over quantity, people. <laughs> no, no, we uh, totally, totally understand. Um, I, I did always love the Christmas sweater just because it spoke to her trauma, how much mm -hmm. her mom really messed her messed her up when it came to like Halloween. So that is always like a, a, a thing I love. I do, I do love that that sweater just really never comes off. Like everybody else is changing clothes and she's like, here's my Christmas tree sweater. It's um, so funny. Fucking uh, Colin, that was his name, uh, Bonnie, Justice for Bonnie. Um, I like that he was still in his dress Me from too. the dance the throughout. Skirt, yeah. he, just, he just put a hoodie over it. Yeah, uh, his, his death was definitely next to Big John's one of the worst ones. Um, I mean, all of the deaths were pretty sick um, and well done, but uh, yeah, it was just really heartbreaking how he redeemed himself a little bit after being a little jerk. You know, he helped save, uh, he helped save Officer Patton and um, that's his name, right? Hawkins. Sure. No, it's, Hawkins. it's the actor's name is Will Patton, Officer Hawkins. Wow. Anyway um you know he did good deeds um and he was just trying to save allison and he died a pretty grisly death so a really good you know con continuation of the first movie um but yeah overall i enjoyed it it's one that it, it the choices that were made are going to sit with me for a little bit um I would love to see if there's a director's cut or something because there's just some parts that, again, I know I keep using this word, but just felt really clunky. Like the edit I, just. I heard the Blu-ray is supposed to have an alternate ending. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I intend to purchase it when it comes out. And we will marathon yes. uh, the three films prior to seeing Halloween ends in the theater. And uh, it, it'll be... I trust the Rough House Boys. I don't really 
and this might be me and, and when films are telling a, a complete story like the Kill Bill films, I don't think of it as I like one more than the other. I just look at it like this is the next chapter. You know, if I'm reading a novel, I'm like, eh, I my favorite chapter is this chapter. I'm like, no, it's it's one story. <laughs> do do I like it all or do it's like me? So um, I, I, I trust them. I'm in for the ride. I'm in whole hog. I would still love to see uh, uh, someone as dreamy Ben Tramer. Uh, I thought uh, the, the sheriff was going to say that, like, you know, uh, that you fucked Ben Tramer and had a kid with him <laughs> to Lori's Road. I know. I was curious. And I missed, yeah. I missed my shot. I missed my shot. Yeah, I liked their little sweet moment. Um, it was cute. And uh, it definitely had me thinking about the timeline because I was like, wait, were you hitting on her when she was a high schooler? I'm like, no, it must have been a couple years later and she still had a torch for Ben Tramer. So, interesting. Here, here's the one thing that's highly implausible to me throughout. Um, these men staying on the police force for 40 fucking years. I mean, yeah. I believe it. Small towns like that, when not much is happening, it's a job. It's a paycheck. It's it's oh, okay. actually kind of believable. And, and, in and, small towns where not much is happening. All right. Am am I uh, out of touch? Uh, being a born and bred New York resident, mm. where cops do like their twenty years and get their exactly and fuck <laughs> off to something else. No, it's usually they retire. That's how okay. it was where I grew up. But I understand like from like a New York or a city perspective, it's like, aren't you guys tired? <laughs> like, Jesus. But yeah, I can, I can see it. Ah, cool, cool. Thus concludes our conversation about Halloween kills. Uh, but as we mentioned this Halloween, something is rising from the grave. Something will live again. Spooky doings improv is back. <laughs> at the Magnet Theater at six o'clock. Tickets are available now. Proof of vaccination is required. Chelsea and I and some talented people, we're gonna make some ha-ha for the first time since March of 2020. I'll be wearing a costume. Don't say yeah. what it is. I, I haven't figured out what it is. So I- I told you. I forgot. Wow, okay. My rotten COVID thought meets. It'll, it'll be a surprise for everyone. Did not retain that information. <laughs> I've been leaving clues on my Instagram stories and the guesses I've gotten so far. I got one that's right. And I got one where someone guessed I'll be a Care Bear. I will go ahead and let you know that is incorrect. Okay, cool. Oh, I uh, will just be wearing some of my usual spooky-ness uh, to begin with. Um, and, and it's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you're wait. listening and you're in the New York City area, go there, uh, support us. It's at six o'clock. So if you have other Halloween plans, you can get to them. We'll be done by seven. Exactly. You got to come check it out. We'll be and, fine. And, and it's going to be safe. Uh, everybody's going to be vaccinated. Uh, it's going to be a great, funny time. I'm looking forward to it, uh, and I've missed it, and I've missed a lot of the people uh, that we're going to be performing with, because I haven't been in the same room with most of them for over a fucking year. Same. It's really heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's like, this is feeling really good, that we're finally going to 
all see each other again. It's going to be so fun. Come check us out if you're vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you don't get to do anything. Yeah. If you're not going to uphold your end of the social contract, you should be denied things. I said it. I meant it. Fuck you. Tell the people where they can find it. If they want to find you. Um, they can find me on Instagram. You type in Chelsea Bennington and I am right there. Um, yeah, and on Twitter. So you can find me there. Cool. And check out Spooky Doings on Instagram, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook, where we're promoting the show. You can see all of our cast members that we've announced. Some of them have formerly been guests on this show, uh, like Vicki Martin, like uh, Amanda Stafford, like Tom and Jennifer Rizzuto. It's yeah. going to be great. Um, uh, at Rick Guzman 718 on Twitter. I'm still there. I'm not starting bullshit. I'm telling you, I'm loving it that you're you're being such a such a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a I'm a good boy now. I'm not telling conservative politicians to that you know they suck or that Rudy Giuliani fucked his cousin, which I don't think you should be banned for telling the truth. Naughty, like naughty. It's not misinformation. He literally did fuck his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> But I know you're off to a, a, a witchy brunch. And, witchy brunch. And, and I hope you enjoy it and conjure up something uh, marvelous to get your mouth watering and to attack with your face. There's just one more thing I have to say. Go ahead. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. Donald Pleasant, how did you get here? Did you see the evil? Has he killed again? I, I saw him. I saw him. Yeah, wait, Donald, get out. My goodness, sorry. Anyway, I said I have one more thing to say. Right. I love you. I love you. <laughs> and to all of our listeners, uh, in the meantime and in between time, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky, and come see us uh, August 31st of uh, the night spooky doings came home on Halloween.